0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's
1: advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
2: Welcome in. Fantasy Sports today here on Sports Grid. Craig Mish, David Smatic. It's a football Friday here on the show. A recap of Thursday night, of course, getting you ready. For the fantasy football weekend i know a lot of folks are excited about that of course we've got the world series to preview as well two hours of fantasy sports talk here on the show Uh, davis thursday night football provided a lot of fun here and unfortunately uh you know a dud at the end i mean weird game huh first half kind of slow it was like ah it was like a waste of my time kind of tuned out and then all of a sudden i look at my phone and i see three minutes left arizona has the ball i'm like all right let me pop this on i'll put off bedtime Oh my gosh, the uh, poor Kyler Murray at the end of that game had a chance to be a hero, chance to be undefeated. But now guess what's happening today Davis here in South Florida. Miami Dolphins fans are all pouring out champagne another season with no undefeated team.
3: Yeah, no undefeated teams. I mean, I I don't put what happened last night on Kyler. It was it was a weird game. I I mean, honestly, I feel like if you if you show me Aaron Rodgers' passing stats and you show me the receiving stats of those guys yesterday, I'm like, oh, Arizona walks out of there with like a 38-14 to 14 win. But the Packers did a really good job of executing, you know, I think the only way they would have been able to win that game without Devontae Adams, you know, basically was a bunch of uh, retirement guys and practice squad guys, you know, Randall Cobb and Juwan Winfrey out there. And they just ran the air out of the ball. They, they, uh, I, I believe there were only five offensive possessions total in the first half. I, I think that is correct. So, so I think the ball only changed hands five times in the first half. And the reason why that was able to happen was the Packers, other than that one DeAndre Hopkins incredible stop and start play, really forced Arizona to keep the ball in front of them. So lots of short gains. And then A.J. Dillon, my guy A.J. Dillon – uh out carried aaron jones of course jones was really active in the passing game but aj Dillon looked really good in kind of that i i would call it the derrick henry role where you're just trying to punish the defense every time they try to tackle you
2: yeah we'll get to our fantasy standouts coming up uh, aaron jones uh, definitely paid out i mean my i mean how close was i on aaron jones's stats yesterday now that i'm looking at it here <laughs> i may have given out the exact close to the exact stats here on aaron jones all right here's our headlines here on the show as we begin this friday Uh, Packers knock off the Cardinals, of course, Thursday night football. The win streak is over for Arizona, and Green Bay's win streak continues. They have the longest one going in the NFL. This was a surprise yesterday. Bob Melvin leaves as manager of the Oakland A's, arguably one of the best managers in baseball for a decade. He's now the new manager of the San Diego Padres, so they're in win-now mode, no question. What does this mean for the A's? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Down here in South Florida, boy, this is one that shook, uh, shook our world yesterday. Florida Panthers coach Q... Uh, resigns over the uh, abuse case from years past. Definitely the uh, the right move there made by the Panthers. They'll have a new head coach starting tonight. They're undefeated as well. Uh, John Morant leads the Grizzlies. Another win for him uh, over the Warriors, 104 to 101. Got to start checking that MVP market. Didn't think we'd be having that conversation with John Morant, but that's kind of where we were. Of course, we got the World Series tonight in game three. Uh, we could start anywhere here outside of. Uh, Outside of, I I think, you know, basically the way that I look at it is at this point, Davis, uh, you know, the market for Arizona is going to dip a little bit in terms of them winning the NFC and winning the Super Bowl. But if you were ahead of that last night in picking Green Bay, I suppose at this point, I mean, it it is fair to say these two teams faced each other head-to-head. The Packers just won, playing a little bit depleted without a couple of their wide receivers. I wonder if they match up in an NFC championship game I mean, I suppose Arizona would be favored, but I don't think it'd be more than three.
3: Yeah, I got to say, I'm looking at the FanDuel Sportsbook right now, and I think the market is wrong. Um, And it's it's, kind of one of those spots where it's hard to take advantage because, you know, you can't bet Packers versus Green Bay rest of the way fluctuation in odds. But after last night, the Packers moved up to plus 950 for the uh, Super Bowl and the Arizona Cardinals are 11 to 1. I, I have to say, my personal belief would be the Packers are not a good enough 53 man roster to win a Super Bowl. We've seen them do this, you know, basically each of the last two seasons where they looked amazing in the regular season and they go up against the real contenders in the postseason and all of a sudden they don't look as strong. I think the Arizona Cardinals, uh, my, my opinion would still be that they are the best team in the they're the best team in the NFC. And I, that means I think they're better than the Buccaneers. And I think they're even better than the Rams. Um, cause that's, that is how much I believe in Kyler Murray. However, Craig, Kyler Murray, after that befuddling play against AJ Green did limp off last night, I saw an unconfirmed report of an MCL sprain. We don't have an official statement from the team or from Kyler himself to this point. But if Kyler is is hobbled, then of course this market is going to be correct because you know if Kyler's playing injured, or if they're throwing you know Brett Hundley in there or whatever, it's a much different story for the Arizona Cardinals.
2: Yeah, and it was one year ago, Davis. Right now, where the where the Cardinals were playing great football, Murray hurt his shoulder, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere maybe he was left or right shoulder, I don't remember. Was not the same player. The, the rest of the season didn't look right. Arizona went in a tailspin. Um, you know, for me, look, I, I am not a Cardinals believer. I've said that since the beginning of the season. I think inevitably it's going to change one way or the other. For me at this point, uh, if the Bucks get the home field advantage, uh, I don't know if they're winning the Super Bowl, but I don't love the NFC. Like, I, I think that, I sort of think anything can happen in an NFC championship game. It wouldn't stun me in months if you said the Rams won, the Bucks won, the Cardinals won, the Packers won. Like, I could see any of those outcomes happening, I I still think the Super Bowl champion is coming from the AFC this year. All right, fantasy standouts coming up next. Packers and Cardinals, stay on the grid. All right, welcome back, fantasy sports today here on Sports Grid. Craig Mish, along with Davis Maddock, and a very exciting finish to the game on Thursday night football. In case you watched it, uh, you saw a great ending. Uh, but I don't know, Davis. I mean, would you call that a great ending? Where there's a complete miscommunication on one side of the ball? Arizona drives all the way down from like what their own one in the back of the end zone, Kyler Murray like had no drives essentially all game long and then he puts together the best drive of the game and then what in the world was AJ Green doing there? Like I mean like like what receiver doesn't look back ever at at the play, what's going on? Never.
3: Yeah, I mean there must have just been some sort of weird miscommunication. AJ Green didn't know what play was called. AJ Green misunderstood his assignment, but yeah, completely befuddling to see him mess up that play. And a, and a bummer, too, because, you know, we kind of wanted an exciting ending to that game. I uh, would have liked the Arizona Cardinals to stay undefeated, big, big Kyler Murray fan. Not not as big of a Cliff Kingsbury fan, but definitely a big uh, Kyler Murray fan. So, so weird. And just a, a weird overall offensive game for the Arizona Cardinals last night. You know, we would have expected at least one of the wide receivers have a huge game there, but uh, did was it apparently was not in the cards for the Cardinals wide receivers.
2: All right. No pun intended there. Let's take a look at our fantasy standouts on the side of the green Bay Packers and their big win yesterday over Arizona. Of course it all uh, starts and ends with Aaron Rodgers, who really, I mean, he just keeps plugging on. It like, doesn't seem to matter who he uh, has or, or doesn't have. He threw for two more touchdowns yesterday. Aaron Jones, almost 60 rushing yards. He also had seven receptions and a touchdown, almost a second one too. A.J. Dillon very involved in the offense. And then uh, I guess to no surprise, Davis, Randall Cobb ended up scoring twice in that game. So I guess we could start with Green Bay. There was a definite overreaction in terms of the point spread with Devontae Adams not being out. I suppose it's only natural to, to think that one player can make that much of a difference. But historically speaking, it's always the quarterback when it's not the quarterback teams always seem to find a way one way or the other and building a narrative around one player that it, that is a wide receiver in the NFL in terms of uh, betting and in terms of the spread is just not valid. Uh,
3: yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think I would say that Rogers was not good passing the ball, you know, compared to his, his baseline. He uh, was 22 of 37. He averaged five yards per passing attempt, a QBR of 75, QB rating of 90. All of those numbers would be his lowest of the season other than that New Orleans Saints game that we still don't really have an explanation for. Looking back at that week one game, we, we look at the Saints blowing out the Packers and it's one of the most befuddling results of the season. I you know, I think the story of this game is just that there, there really was not an answer for A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. And I think if you look at... Uh, kind of the possession by possession stuff from this game, you see why the the Packers were so successful, which is the defense did a great job. They limited possessions. I mean, their their touchdown drives, right? 14 plays, 75 yards and a touchdown. Uh, 12 plays, 91 yards and a touchdown. 13 plays, 74 yards and a turnover on downs. They just they they just they suffocated the Arizona Cardinals offense by keeping them off of the field Rodgers was throwing short a lot in this game you know 11 targets for aaron jones uh josiah Degarra got two targets randall cobb was targeted five times so it's very controlled arizona just was not able to take advantage because kyler didn't have a particularly good game you know he uh was intercepted twice he took two sacks one of them was was a pretty bad sack and so i think if, you know if you play this game 10 times without Devonte adams or alan lazard for the Packers. I I think this is basically the only game where it plays out like this. Cause I think the the Packers in a way did get kind of lucky to contain Kyler Murray and the Cardinals passing offense.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think they played this game 10 times and the Packers win four or five. And and by the way, even if the Packers win none, they may cover 10. So, I mean, I don't see it the same way at all. I mean, to, to think that Devonte Adams is worth two points in the NFL, which is basically what the line moved when he was out, uh, you know, I mean, no offense, Davis. It sounds like you bet Arizona and lost. Like, I don't know. I mean, no, I watched I I my-
3: the I had the Packers because I thought this is what they would do. In my in my picks contest I took, I took the Packers because I expected a lot of AJ Dillon. What I didn't expect was for Kyler to play bad. That was the surprising part of the equation. But I, I right. thought the Packers game plan was perfect.
2: Right. I mean, listen, the Packers may lose ten out of ten times, but to, to but to move a line because of a receiver. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I guess it I guess it didn't move significantly to the point where it was like a five or a six. And I'm on board with that whenever the quarterback is out. But you still had one of the top five quarterbacks of all time who's still playing at a decent level playing. Um, I just think that there was an overreaction to that. And by the way, Arizona is better than Green Bay. There's no question about that. But there was never one point of that game that I thought that Arizona was going to cover the spread ever from start to finish. Even like within the first 5 minutes of the game, even though Arizona um was was Green Bay up 7 nothing or was Arizona up 7 nothing, I forget. Which one was it?
3: Yeah, Green Bay, Green Bay went up early. Uh, I don't remember who scored that first. T- yeah, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones scored. No, it was 7 to 7 early and then remember Rondell Moore muffed the punt. He uh mm. he, you know, he he uh and he tried to act like he didn't touch it. I mean, the 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 Cardinals were just bad in this game. To be honest, I mean they they didn't execute on defense. They made mistakes on special teams, and Kyler had his you know his his most turnovers plus sacks game. Uh, but but again, Green Bay like knew this was the recipe coming in. Like they they were gonna they they this also was the most that Green Bay has blitzed in a game this year. Green Bay had been a, a non blitzing team up into this point of the season, but they they knew that they would kind of have to press the edges in this game because they didn't have the offensive advantage so in terms of like an underdog they played this about as perfectly as they possibly could have I I thought it was a great game plan from Matt LaFleur
2: yeah if I'm not mistaken two years ago the Packers were outgained statistically speaking on offense and defense over a 16 game season ended up with the best record in the NFC and ended up in the NFC championship maybe it is just something they do I mean there's no there's no uh, proof of that I, I don't have anything to back that up but that happened two years ago maybe they, they were a horrible team that ended up winning 12 and game well 12 games I think they went 12 and 4 um, maybe it's just having Rogers there I don't know I don't have the answer all right so let's look at Arizona's uh, fantasy standouts yesterday uh, a lot of these points you know really for Kyler Murray were on the final drive of the game and Murray's still definitely in the conversation in terms of MVP we'll have to wonder and hope if he can play next week for sure not a short week for him that's good news 23 of 33, 274 passing yards, under 100 in the first half. 21 rushing yards, two interceptions for him. Chase Edmonds, all his numbers essentially again. Uh, last drive of the game, had a nice reception, uh, ended up scoring one touchdown in this one. James Cotter scored twice and had 22 rushing yards and A.J. Green, five for 50. I, I think the other focus here, Davis, is that maybe Hopkins is really important to what Murray does. I know he caught that big pass at the yeah. beginning of the game, but not much at the end.
3: Yeah, so after that big reception uh where he did that stop and start move on the sideline, he did not return for an offensive snap until the second half. It was reported that he was dealing with a hamstring injury, but you're right. I mean, one of the things we definitely know about the NFL from an analytical perspective at this point is that you cannot like it's just very hard to divorce the results of a quarterback from their pass catchers. You know, we we see this all the time. Brady going from throwing to the the remains of Julian Edelman and uh and and Keel Harry and then goes to the Buccaneers and breaks all those records you know there's just a very clear relationship between wide receiver skill and quarterback performance and I I think you're right I do think we saw this with DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray last night the offense just looked way worse with with Hopkins was either not out there or playing in a limited fashion the team they they ran 20 times they averaged 3.7 yards per carry they completed 22 passes. You know, but but uh, uh, three for twenty-four from Rondale, four for forty-two from Zach Ertz. You know, just not really a performance that expired confidence from the Cardinals. Uh,
2: does, does Connor's season remind? It reminds me. I don't know. Maybe I'm off, but it reminds me of Gurley's season last year. I don't know if it reminds you a lot Curly of Gurley or the
3: old Vikings running back Matt Asiata. Remember him? That's who he yeah, reminds me him. of.
2: Yeah, just just a, just a, just falling in the end zone for touchdowns and, and worth playing every week <laughs> fantasy football. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports today here on Sports Grid, Craig Mish and Davis Matic. Time to take a look at our daily fantasy NBA lineups. And before we that do that, Davis, what a great game last night between Memphis and Golden State. Like that matchup with Curry and John Morant all the way down to overtime. I mean, maybe there is a chance that those are the two MVP candidates again this year.
3: Yeah, uh, I am all the way here for the Steph Curry resurgence. He was amazing last night, and also it's it's awesome to see. John Morant getting some great results this year after uh, I I thought he played pretty well last year, but he just really had a hard time shooting. We talked about it a a ton on the show. You know, he shot 30% from three last year, despite he was getting a lot of, uh, you know, good looks and everything. But he's through five games. He's shooting 40% from three. Uh, He's averaging 30 points a game, you know, buoyed by that huge performance last night. But uh, yeah, just a, a great game between those guys last night. First loss of the year for the golden state warriors but man when they get when they get clay back if clay is anything like vintage clay they are they are really going to be scary
2: what is that supposed to happen
3: right now there's like no timetable like he's not he's not at practice he's not playing you know five on five or anything like that but he is expected to return at some point this season
2: all right cool let's take a look at tonight's dfs options and then davis will run you through them Let's start off. We got Devontae Graham at 6,100. We'll see if Russell Westbrook can right the ship with the Lakers. He's at 9,400 tonight. I don't think I've ever seen him under 10,000 in DFS. Uh, Darius Garland making an appearance tonight, 6,500. Tyler Hero of the Miami Heat off to a really good start. Maybe his cheapest price of the season, Davis, tonight, 6,400. So let's talk about point guards and shooting guards tonight on FanDuel
3: so Devonte graham has basically been uh getting the benefit of terry Rozier not playing uh so that is that is pretty nice for him you know he's been really solid but then the the russell we- the russell westbrook play i am just assuming that lebron with this lower body injury that he is not going to be back and active um in this game you know i think that the the lakers might even be doing a little bit of internal scouting right now and realizing Maybe we are a play-in team. Maybe we are a six seed. Maybe we are a five seed. Maybe it does not make a ton of sense to, you know, grind as hard as we can to get to the three seed because we don't even know if we can do it. So they they should just try and get LeBron fully healthy. And pretty much anytime LeBron doesn't play, Russell Westbrook is gonna be, you know, just a, a phenomenal play. And then at Shooting Guard, weirdly enough, the way that uh the way that that FanDuel is doing their salaries now, shooting guard might even be more. Uh, interesting and and useful overall than point guard because of the guys with multi-position eligibility you know we have fred van vliet we have jimmy butler Nikhil alexander walker but i really like darius garland just as a player um and i i think that he is already start like I, i think that darius garland has a chance this year or next year to win most improved player partly because by the way evan mobley that the cavaliers drafted he is making them a better team already So if the Cavaliers or some are able to get the eight seed, I think that both Garland and his backcourt mate, Colin Sexton, would be eligible for that award. And then my guy, Tyler Hero, we all know I love Tyler Hero. And you're right, he is shooting the lights out of the ball this year. I don't know if that will continue indefinitely, but I am riding the hot streak with him a little bit right now.
2: Yeah, he's playing great, and um, you know, no question that he's he's one player that the Heat thinks or is going to take the next step. We'll see if that ends up happening. Miami's off to a pretty good start. All right, let's take a look at the small forwards, uh, power forwards, and center for tonight and the pricing. Chris Duarte is at fifty six hundred. Michael Porter Jr. sixty eight hundred. Nicholas Batum is forty six hundred. Davis saved some money there with Duarte and, that, and and Precious to get Kevin Durant in tonight for Brooklyn. He's 10,900 tonight. Wow. And then Precious is your center, Precious Achua, at 5,100. So, uh, you know, some of this looks like basically building a lineup, Davis, for you tonight around Westbrook and Durant. Is that accurate? Or was there someone else that you, you had to have in the lineup tonight?
3: Yeah, I th- I think those guys are the must-haves, you know, assuming that LeBron does not play, you're definitely going to want to get Westbrook in there. But right now Kevin Durant is just kind of having to do everything for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, you know, he is he is shooting a ton. Actually, 20.8 field goal attempts this year in Kevin Durant's age 33 season. That would be his most field goal attempts per game of his career. Uh actually funnily enough, the year he won MVP for Oklahoma City was the last time he got over 20 field goal attempts per game. So, you know, he is just getting this crazy usage right now, averaging 29 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, even averaging five assists per game. He just has the ball in his hands. And part of it is because James Harden is having a tough time with these new foul call rules. Uh, our, our friend Nate Duncan had uh, some video highlights yesterday on his Twitter feed, if you want to go search those out, basically showing uh, a side-by-side of James Harden getting a foul call last year on that drive he does where he goes to his left, he elevates into the defender, kind of tricks them into going up, it gets a foul. And he's not getting those foul calls this year because of um, a rule change that the NBA made in a way that they are instructing the referees to call the game. So even more of the weight is on James Harden's shoulders right now. Uh, for Duarte, this guy has never in his life found a, a shot that he does not like he is averaging 17 field goal attempts per game pretty much he is uh, i i would call him you know very similar to you remember monte ellis for the golden state warriors or yep. for the box very mm-hmm. very similar where pretty much every time duarte gets the ball he sees it and he's like all right it's uh, it's time for me to shine Hi. right chris it's chris duarte season i am gonna be getting these shots up uh nicholas batum I mean, I didn't, I never thought that uh, in in the year of uh, in the year of twenty twenty one, we would be talking about Nicholas Batum, uh, age thirty three. Season for him right now, he is uh, starting. He started every other game for the Los Angeles Clippers as they try to. They they just have to figure out what their rotation is right now. Do we want to start Bledsoe? do we want to start Patrick Bev? Like, what do we what do we want to do? Do we want to start Luke Kennard? Uh, they started Nicholas Batum in their last game. He's averaging twenty five minutes per game you know, just kind of doing Nicholas Batum things, you know, he can grind out 25 on FanDuel in that role. And then uh, the guy we, we've seemed to talk about this guy uh, almost every single show, but Precious Achua is, he's crushing right now for the Toronto Raptors. He started every game. Uh, he's gotten in foul trouble in a couple of these games, which anytime your center gets in foul trouble, it's not going to end up being that great, but he is—he's uh, rebounding, he's getting blocks, he's getting steals, he's even—he's even uh, he's even, sh- even shooting some three pointers, which he did not take a single three pointer as a member of the Miami Heat, but is averaging just a hair over a three and a half point per game. So I, I actually think he is one of the underpriced guys on FanDuel and it- is worth playing in most formats.
2: All right, there, there you have it—a couple of good options tonight. Get your lineups in. Check out DailyRoto.com. It is completely free to sign up right now and get your NBA picks in Daily Fantasy and do it every single day of the week. So check it out tonight. Friday night, always a big night in the uh, NBA. All right, let's get back to some fantasy football here real quick. Uh, you heard Chris Kofsky mention at the top of the show in the update that Miles Sanders placed on injured reserve. So Davis, let's touch on that real quick. Kenneth Gainwell, the young rookie who's looked really good, probably gets more of an opportunity. Boston Scott gets another opportunity. Got one last year, he'll get one again this year. And um and Jordan Howard, who was, you know, basically just kind of kicking around. I know Miami had him for a period of time last week. I suppose the Eagles could get him back on the roster as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, we just we just really don't want that, right? That that is the worst-case scenario would be for Jordan Howard to be activated in and playing. You know, so if we look at what he did last year, uh so he his last game for miami 10 carries 19 yards and a touchdown the team cuts him then he signs to the philadelphia eagles they elevate him from the practice squad uh and and for the eagles he played in two games the week 13 loss to green bay and the week 16 loss against dallas he played 11 and seven snaps in those games but really, ideally, for Boston Scott and for Kenneth Gainwell, you just would not see any Jordan Howard at all. That would be that would definitely be best. Uh, and Gainwell, to start the year, has had this really valuable role in the Eagles offense because he's gotten at least three targets in every game this season. And last week, after Miles Sanders got hurt, he played 51% of the snaps, only rushed five times, but saw eight targets, caught four of them for 41 yards, and scored once. Boston Scott basically came in last week and just played Miles Sanders' role. He played 33% of the snaps, rushed seven times, and was only targeted twice. I So I, I think that most likely it'll kind of be a 50-50 between Gainwell and Scott, with Gainwell mostly playing the passing downs. Both of those guys would be startable in you know 12-team fantasy leagues. The only wrinkle in that ointment is if Jordan Howard gets the goal line work. If for whatever reason... Nick Sirianni and Eagles coaching staff say, you know what? We're going to bring this big, boring Jordan Howard in and give him the early or uh, give him the the passing down work. But I, actually the total best case scenario would be Jordan Howard not even being activated from the practice squad. That's what we would really like to see.
2: Yeah. And a 50-50 split. It could be with those guys. But again, Philadelphia like rarely commits to running, to running the ball almost at all. So uh, we'll see. We'll ride with it this week. See what ends up happening. Don't forget coming up Sunday morning. 8 a.m. Eastern, myself, Joe Zapia, and Matt Stryker are going to help you make those really difficult decisions, both in DFS and season-long fantasy leagues. We host fantasy sports today. It is our Sunday morning edition, and it is coming your way this Sunday at 8 a.m. Eastern. Make sure you catch us. Coming up next, it's time for us to dive into the, I think, must-watch game of the night. It's got to be World Series Game 3. Ian Anderson, Luis Garcia, those are the starters. We'll hear from both of them coming up. We will also set a lineup tonight for you in DFS. We'll pick our MVP slots and see how it all works. We could have a new World Series champion when we're back here on Monday. Be right back.
4: Break, break.
2: Welcome back, Fantasy Sports. Today, here on Sports Grid, tonight is game three of the World Series. And of course, it is all tied up at one. A large portion of teams that win the World Series win game three and separate themselves when the series is tied at one. But if FanDuel is telling you anything tonight, that this game is an absolute coin flip. I love it. Uh, you basically are laying minus 110 to win 100 on either of these teams. Houston, as you see here, is minus 106. Atlanta is minus 110. Ian Anderson has some postseason experience from last season. He'll start game three. Luis Garcia, who is like a revelation for Houston at this point of the season, uh, shut down the Boston Red Sox last time he pitched. was throwing like 97, 98 out of nowhere. He'll make the start for the Astros. And, uh, of course, Ian Anderson, another postseason start for him. Had a really good rookie season. Capitalized on his uh, spot in the rotation again this year. He gets the start tonight and knows he has his work cut out for him so he says against the Houston Astros lineup.
4: I mean I think when you you have the batting champ bat in seventh that that definitely uh you know makes your lineup pretty deep. Um you know it'll definitely be a little different in playing in the National League ballpark so uh, I think we can we can use that to our advantage but um yeah they 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 have a ton of names and um you know they keep coming at you that's for sure.
2: On the side of Houston, it will be Luis Garcia's start tonight in game three. He was as dominant as any pitcher has been in the postseason when he faced off last time against the Boston Red Sox and kind of came out of nowhere. But yet, this has happened a lot with Astros pitchers. They sort of do come out of nowhere. Can he replicate what he did last week, this week in the World Series tonight? We'll certainly have to see. But Garcia told reporters yesterday that pitching in the game tonight will be a dream come true.
5: Uh, it's like a, it's like a dream, to be honest. Um, when I, when I, when we was about to start the series, was, sometimes I, I, thought like, like, wow, this is incredible. I mean, I couldn't believe it. But now uh, I have to believe the moment, like, be, like, believe it. You know, that's what I, what I think about that.
2: Dave, it's an interesting game tonight. I I, I think when Atlanta is going to have to roll with openers and, and not having Charlie Morton, I, I definitely think that is probably one of those games where I think Houston could pop off for one of those 10 runners. Uh, I'm not saying that they can't win tonight. I just don't see this being that game, like dropping a 7-2 to two game. I, I feel like this is going to be close tonight. But uh, before we get into the DFS side of it, Essentially what this is telling you tonight on FanDuel is that they have no idea what Luis Garcia is going to be because if they thought that he was going to look anything like he did last time out, Houston's going to win this game, but extremely unpredictable and and certainly did not pitch nearly as well prior to shutting down the Red Sox last time out.
3: Yeah, the books are really telling us that this game is sort of a a coin flip because you basically said, you know, it's basically 110 on on both sides. But the Astros are, for a World Series, you know, relatively big favorites. They're minus 135 in a a 1-1 series. The Braves are plus 115 for the series price. So kind of what we can extrapolate from that is that the books don't feel particularly confident in Ian Anderson. They have no idea what Luis Garcia is going to do. And, you know, Ian Anderson has been a fine pitcher this year he's got uh you know he's got a little bit of room to regress because he does have a 3.5 era but his expected era and his fielding independent pitching are both a little bit higher so maybe there is some worry that he could give up some hard contact or that he's been lucky with fly balls up until this point but i i do i think your analysis is correct where the books are kind of throwing their hands up and saying you know, we think the Braves are the slightly better team. We definitely think, uh, and I think this is true, that the 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 Houston Astros have the better lineup. Uh, the, you know, uh, another question that remains to be seen is, what does that lineup look like in the National League ballpark? Because Jordan Alvarez is the best hitter on both teams in this series mm-hmm. because Ronald Acuna Jr. is not active. Do they try and stick Jordan Alvarez in one of the corner outfield slots? Uh, i mean you would know better than me has jordan alvarez ever played first base in his career i would guess probably not and it would be very odd to give him his first ever first base start in a world series game but I, this is this is a real conundrum for the houston astros and of course it's you know another great argument for why baseball should have the universal dh i mean imagine imagine a rule where in uh if if the you know in the nfl if, if patrick mahomes or tom brady had to come off of the field because of some arcane rule based on where the location was played you know it's like no one would want that but this is what baseball is doing to us with you know jordan alvarez uh jd martinez for the white Sox if they were here uh you know david ortiz we used to see this when the red Sox would make those post-season. i mean it's just it's so obnoxious uh, so, I'm a big Universal DH guy. But what do you think, before we get into the DFS, what do you think they do with Jordan Alvarez?
2: Yeah, he came up as a first baseman. So, okay. you know, I'd have to check that. But I, I know without a doubt that their whole goal was to have him play first base in the major leagues. Um, but Guriel is playing first. Like, if that's done. They're not For taking sure. him out of the lineup. So,. So left field, yeah, he's going to play left field. I mean, there, there's there's no other way around it. I think he played left field in the last series a little bit. So he did. I, I think that's probably going to be the spot for him. Is he an uh, average defender in left? No, no. Is he, is he Eloy Jimenez in left? Yeah, probably. I mean, I, that, that feels about right as far as the defensive comp. Dusty Baker's also, uh, we'll hear from him later on. Uh, Dusty Baker's, you know, bigger concern Davis was for that. Because he said basically half the team had never played in Atlanta, let alone the other half only played there one time back in 2017. And, and they couldn't get on the field yesterday, I guess, because of rain. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, when you dissect games like this at this level, and it feels like a Super Bowl, it's like we are looking for everything in it. And I think, and I, and I think you can uh, do that. But let, let's take a look at the DFS pricing. And then uh, Davis will, will touch on some potential MVPs here. So Alvarez tonight for Houston is 9,500. He's going to play. I, we just don't know where. But again, the problem with using him tonight clearly is that defensive replacement, right? If Houston is up 3-1, you know, that's that's the end. He's going to come out of the game. Uh, Freddie Freeman, 9,000. Tucker, 8,500. Jose Altuve hit a home run last game. He's at 8,000. Carlos Correa, 7,500. Ozzy Albies, 7,500. And so Eddie Rosario's fast start, Davis, has cooled down a little bit. And those are the top-priced players tonight. So before we get into the MVPs, how, do, how would you build a single-game lineup tonight?
3: You know, I, I definitely think that, uh, and you guys are going to get tired of me saying this, but I would look at the available left-handed Houston Astros. So that's going to be Brantley for sure. Kyle Tucker, maybe because Kyle Tucker could actually be the guy who loses his spot to Jordan Alvarez if they do decide to put him in the outfield. Cause I don't think, I don't think you sit Brantley here. I mean, Brantley has been, uh, he just has this huge sample of being a really good hitter and it's not that Kyle Tucker has been bad. He's been, uh, he, he's been pretty decent. I did go ahead and look it up. Jordan Alvarez has played left field and right field about 30 games a season on average uh, in his, his short major league baseball career but in the major leagues has not even been put in one inning at first base. So, so my guess for what the Astros do tonight is they, uh, well, you would, what you would love to do is you'd love to replace Jose series bat with Kyle Tucker uh, or uh, with Jordan Alvarez, but I don't know if Michael Brantley. Yeah. I don't know if Brantley or Kyle Tucker can play center field. I think it's probably too important to have a good defensive center fielder The this is where, you, you kind of get into the weeds with the defensive replacement stuff because maybe what you try to do is maybe you try to get through five innings with the cobbled-together defensive outfield and just hope to get lucky, and then if you have the lead, like what you just said, if the Astros right. are up 3-1 to one after five innings, then you pull Kyle Tucker, then you pull Jordan Alvarez, and you put Jose Siri there in, Uh, as the defensive replacement. But I I think probably what they'll do is Kyle Tucker is just going to be a straight like for like substitution for Jordan Alvarez tonight. So that leaves us with Brantley and Alvarez, both of whom I really like. I also really like Yulieski Gurriel, mostly because Gurriel, uh, he has not projected that well in these single game series because of where he bats in the order, you know, batting order determines so much of what feeds into a guy's projection but he is just a fantastic hitter. I mean, I just I just don't think that the market knows how good of of a hitter he is. So I, I'm pretty heavy on uh, the Astros side of it tonight. Of course, uh, the the Braves guys that we find are interesting. It's gonna be it's gonna be the cheap power guys, right? So we have Soler, Peterson, and Duvall. Pretty much if you get two home runs out of those guys and and you are not spending the salary on Freddie Freeman, you're not spending it on Albies, you're not spending it on Austin Riley, you're going to find yourself up with a better chance of a unique lineup. And just due to the way the Braves construct their order, uh, their power is like their straight power hitters are actually at the bottom of their order.
2: Yeah. So uh, So let, let's take a look here at the MVPs tonight. And this is the player you would put in the MVP slot and then get two times the bonus on what they end up doing. Um, yes, this is an absolute homer pick for me, no question. Complete bias pick. But Adam Duvall has been awesome in Atlanta, specifically. In truest ballpark, his numbers are impossible to beat. Now, uh, is, is that going to change in Game 4 and Game 5 for him? It certainly could, because Duvall is a great mistake pitcher. And if Garcia makes a mistake to Duvall, he's going to hit one out tonight. So I will throw my dart at Duvall tonight, Davis, and, and make that assumption that his hot hitting in, Adla- in Atlanta. I know he had a home run in Houston, but his, his numbers in Atlanta are just insane. So uh, that's who I'm going to use for my MVP slot tonight. What do you got?
3: Well, I, uh, I, I like your selection here, mostly because this is what people should be trying to do. If you, if you know nothing else... You're just playing one lineup. You're not trying to get super deep into it. You're not trying to read a book on advanced game theory so that you can play a single game MLB DFS. This would be my general rule of thumb for you. Try to play a guy who can hit one or more home runs who does not bat top four for either team and who we expect to be under 10% owned in the MVP slot Adam Duvall definitely fits that list. I mean, I, ha, Craig, you know, when Adam Duvall gets hot, it's like he's so hot he can't even, like, get up to the plate because his bat melts when he touches it. And if Duvall starts this game off with a home run in the second inning, he's coming up there in the fifth inning. I'm just sitting waiting for him to capitalize on a mistake pitch. Basically the same theory with my MVP tonight, which is going to be Gurriel. Uh, It would be my, my other uh, – a uh, galaxy brain take would be to captain Jordan alvarez if he doesn't start so if Jordan alvarez is coming mm. off the bench because i i guarantee you bench or no bench he will get a minimum of one plate appearance in this game yeah, right they're, 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 he will come mm-hmm. off the bench maybe they maybe they replace him with a pitcher maybe they're down four runs in the eighth inning and they decide they need to bring him in as like an offensive replacement for tucker or whoever so that is my my galaxy brain take is if alvarez does not start to use him as as a captain
2: imagine how kyle tucker feels going into this game tonight if he I doesn't know. play and has to sit for uh, brantley you know essentially um yeah i mean i don't see any other way around it i don't think brantley can play center and i'm i'm pretty sure tucker can't play center so that's the dynamic that Houston is dealing with tonight. But I'll tell you this, Davis, and, and you know, if, if Atlanta wins this game tonight, you can bet caution is to the win in the next two games. I mean, they will not be worrying about defense at all. I think at that point, mm-hmm. <laughs> you'll be seeing Tucker in center. You'll be seeing Brantley in center. But I think in a 1-1 series, I think that you can take that chance. But that's a good call. And, and Alvarez is playing tonight one way or the other, and he's getting it at bat all right, we'll come back and wrap up this first hour of Fantasy Sports today. We've got Jim Santis coming your way in about 15 minutes, also Joe P. Zofia. Stay on the grid. Great,
4: great.
5: every time.
6: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
5: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: Houston Texans announced. No, not the announce that you probably thought that we were going to talk about there is still no trade um davis mills again davis matic gets the start for the houston texans uh 16 point favorites uh, i believe this is the biggest road favorite of the nfl season with the rams uh going into houston
3: yep biggest road favorite of the season in my picks contest that i do uh i i, I have this league i bet you'd love this league craig it's called the Pentathlon. We do a best ball league, uh, a super flex auction league, a survivor contest, a DFS contest, and a picks contest. And then, you know, there's a, there's a point value for the standings in all of them. And uh, so in our picks contest, we are taking the Rams and we are, uh, we're not looking back. I mean, the they want, they want to get Stafford the MVP. They want Cooper cup to break all of these records, which you might laugh and say, what records, I mean, Cooper cup can get 2000 yards and, 20 touchdowns this season. That's like a real thing that can happen, and Stafford can throw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. So, uh, and and Sean McVay, by the way, I know we can't trust anything he says, but Craig, I bet you will agree on me that with agree with me on this. McVay loves the narratives. He loves to get his guys to those statistical thresholds. He would do it with Gurley at the end of every year. He would always try to get Gurley the rushing title back when Gurley had knees.
2: Oh, yeah. No no doubt. He's an individualistic uh, guy when it comes to that. You know, I wonder, we haven't gone down this road yet, but we're going to probably in a month. How are we treating all of these NFL records, by the way, with an extra game? Like, that, that's going to stir up the old dudes for sure.
3: It is going to stir up the old dudes. My guess is that no one will care unless it's, uh, it's Manning's record is the one people are going to care about, the 5,053.
2: Derrick Henry, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess Derrick yeah. Henry's pace is not... Uh, not like 3000 yards yet on the ground, but look, we'll see. That'll be interesting for sure. We're going to start hearing Brown swell uh, coming with that for sure. Okay. Uh, we got Chris here at the top of the hour and then we'll be right back for hour two of our Friday edition of the show. Stay on the grid. Great. great.
1: Sports happens every day, and we give you expert insights and information on gaming, and more. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it.
5: You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.